This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Horror Bites on Save Freddy, the show where we highlight short indie horror games and the people who make them. Um, I'm not going to do the, the big spiel here this week. I am Neil Bolt and joined as ever by Jay Krieger. And this is our end of year best of Horror Bites episode, where we count down our personal top fives, which, considering the amount of games we covered this year, is very tough. Tougher than the mainline list, I, I would say. So we'll even chuck in a few honourable mentions, cutting down our very sizable shortlists to just the ten games and five we will really focus on each. Now, obviously, we changed the format with this, this year um, to this weekly show where we just cover a couple so that we still got to do the same kind of show, you know, instead of doing one month where we try to block, you know, get eight games in, in, in one big uh, stockpile, um, which wasn't always good for scheduling, but um, um, this is always, you can always fit this in nicely. And I think it's worked out quite well uh, in what we do. We, and I think, again, like last year, Jay, we've had a pretty healthy year of variety, haven't we? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where I'm broken record at this point, but every single week when we kind of browse over Itch.io, the variety of projects that we come across, whether that is, you know, unique gameplay, unique art style, sometimes the entire package, right? And if anything, I think the longer that we've been doing Horror Bites, not that it's been a terribly long time, but I think that it shows just the fact that there are so many resources that are so readily available now online for people that want to get into game design no matter the scale of the project or the sort of purpose behind it, of course, game jams and whatnot are a fantastic opportunity for people to, you know, experiment, be creative, but having that theme behind it. Um, And it's just this thing where it's like every week I look forward to just seeing what kind of, uh, and I say this in the most loving way possible, like the most depraved uh, little bite-sized slices of horror that somebody can come up with. Um, And it's going to be great to get to kind of not only chat about honorable mentions and looking back at the year, but, at our top five personal picks for best horror bites of the year, which somehow was seemingly more difficult than actually like the main game mm. of the year, top tens that we amassed, right? Um, it's that type of thing where it's like going through so many different experiences that we covered this year for horror bites. Um, it was 
you know, it was like trying to uh, pick which child you love the most, oh, right? At yeah. the end of the day, because there's just <laughs> such a variety um, that's out there, and it's yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what's on your list. I doubt they will there will be as much crossover uh, as there is in the mm. main list, but at the same time, there's definitely one or two that uh, I think we both were sort of praising, especially hard over the course yeah, of the year. Yeah, I mean, we were, we're recording this uh, before we record our, the second half of the main game of the year list, so yeah. It's, yeah, we've got some surprise, at least, um, from one or the other, but <laughs> we shall see with this one. <laughs> um, yeah, there were, there were games I looked at in the shortlist here and just thought, I feel bad for leaving this out. It's like, you know what it is when it's like you want to tell people about all the great games because it's not just the same list of you know it's not like a normal game of the year list where it's like oh I play here's Spider Man and Baldur's Gate and whatever like that you know everyone's got the, the same bunch of things on it the same list you know these are very specific and niche to a degree so you you want to sort of include everyone but then if if you want to learn more about all the games you know all the episodes are out there from this year to uh, that will take you. 20 minutes to listen to each and you can find about a whole host of games that we've covered this year and generally we've liked all of them with the odd except with the odd exception but you know very odd uh, exception considering and the exception is usually you know it's typically something that's just a little too underbaked yes. it's very rare i think that we play one of these horror bites and that's part of why you know we enjoy doing horror mm. bites so much is that we get to champion things quite often that you know, are a standout from all those games that are published on Itch.io every day or every yeah. week. And, you know, it's typically when we've had a negative experience with one, it's because it just needs more time in the oven, right? Which, if anything, that speaks the other great part about being a horror bite, right, that you're releasing out there is that you get feedback right yeah. away um, or, you know, hopefully <laughs> right away. Um, but, you know, sometimes that feedback can be very valuable. And if anything, we've had devs that have listened to our coverage of their games for horror bites and have said, oh, well, this is something that I might consider in the future update or tweaking and this and that. Not to say, you know, we have that that kind of sway <laughs> or power amongst all the developers. But, you know, just kind of um, giving an example of the fact that, like, when you are part of a community like Itch.io, you know, people are very upfront about how they found your experience, your game, right? And so sometimes, hopefully that's mostly uh, constructive criticism and not just, you know, criticism. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, what we'll do first is sort of, peel off five games that were sort of honorable mentions the other half of the top 10 that we're not officially sort of calling the top 10 um yeah we're not going to go into great detail because obviously they could turn up on our, our main lists uh in other, the other persons and you know just because in the spirit of keeping things brief you know that is uh the way we go about it so you know i, I will break tradition on this side of it and, and go first and mainly to sort of set the tone of what we're going for i suppose um so First up in my honorable mentions, we covered it very recently, it was It Returns to the, De the Desert, uh, which was the sort of giant ant turn-based strategy game by Tim Rashaw. Uh, again, could have murdered that name. Sorry, if that's the case, Tim, again. Uh, yeah, that that was uh, a great late find for a game that came out earlier in the year, funnily enough. Um, you, you never know, do you, when you're going to find one of these little gems. Uh Next was the Lancaster Leak, uh, Brian State Park. That was the first one of those games we covered. Um, I think we had a little bit of a divided opinion, I think, with the second one. But that one was a really interesting one, wasn't it? Because it took that found footage thing um, and really sort of went with it in a really fun way. 
and that was so I'm having to scroll through each name as well as I do this. <laughs> and that, yeah, that was by Jeremy Fisher, that one, which is a yeah, the, that's a series that's showing promise, even if it's not been consistent quality with them. Uh, the two we've seen, but that first one was showed everything that could go well with it, I think. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next of those when they do come along. Okay, and the next for me was if. A Siren Call, which was like a sort of text adventure thing by uh, Dark Petal 16. Uh, yeah, it's one of the, I found it quite fascinating, the level of story detail and, you know, the, everything about it and just the descriptive nature of it. You know, we've covered a lot of visual novels and I've enjoyed quite a lot of them. But for me, that was one that just sort of stood out. And uh, I was surprised by that, to be honest, because I was just this week trying to think of all the games and thinking of their impact on me and it's like yeah it, was, it stood out and it, it, i think with the way these games are because they're so short yeah you can be forgiven for sort of forgetting about them and then coming back and going, oh yeah it's like that but yeah that was that was one that definitely has just rolled with me and i think games that have come in the, since i stopped sort of writing articles about the short games um have been harder for that in my head you know to sort of keep hold of but that's uh that was the one that really did it for me uh, in that regard. Uh, the next one was Recognition Test 23, which was by Abulia. Um, yeah, and that was basically like a simple survey test thing with a nice little twist as it goes along. Uh, a great use of that as a mechanic and a really cool subversion at the end of that as well. And the last of those uh, in that pick was Witch of Sherdon Forest which uh, was by Daniel Buckley, which uh, was really atmospheric, really got that sort of pagany sort of style atmosphere going. Yeah, I think it was uh, just generally really well done. Um, so yeah, how about you? What were your sort of honourable mentions? Yeah, so my honourable mentions, I'll start with one that you mentioned already, which was Lancaster Leak, O'Brien State Park from Jeremy yeah. Fisher. Champion, which you said, you know, that was a great example of a more, I suppose, like, director focused uh found footage yeah. right sometimes found footage games can kind of not utilize that format in the best of ways and i found that lancaster leak o'brien state park was a really great example of how you could use found footage but at the same time um sort of like jumping ahead a little bit almost to kind of like a fast yeah. forward if you will to the moments that really stand out and making that experience um as you know singularly unique as it is um, another one for, for my uh, honorable mentions was Concrete Tremor from Mike Klubnicka, which was essentially a dystopian take on Battleship, where instead of attacking a battleship, you're in this kind of artillery barrage between apartment complexes. And, uh, you know, overall, Mike Klubnicka is somebody that has made games that have this really great sense of dystopian atmosphere that doesn't tell you too much, right? It gives you sort of these variables and you basically piece together this world uh, and sort of just the sort of, I suppose, the despicable norms that occur within those yes. worlds. Um, a recent one that we covered that I really, really enjoyed was The Melting Apartment from Flower Studio, which was this sort of giallo, uh, Game Boy color themed uh, murder mystery where you're looking for this girl and then you go through these sort of survival horror elements um, and just a really fantastic art style, I think. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the time with Game Boy color games or g games that have that Game Boy color aesthetic, the color palettes are not always the best. And in this, it was very vibrant in a way that felt very giallo, um, which, you know, describing your game as being influenced by giallo films or Argento films. It's like, yeah, anybody can say that. 
how often does somebody capitalize on that in a meaningful way? And I thought the melting apartment was probably the best example of that this year, if not one of the best examples, um, you know, of those influences that we've covered. Uh, next up was a house in hell world from Smick, AKA grumpy old milk, which again, you know, fantastic. <laughs> Just definitely. the name, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and this, yeah, it's the name. I mean, it certainly sets you up for an experience that, um, you know, I think it, goes against the grain of what most people are expecting because it talks about it being this sort of like anti-horror yeah. game um, in that it captures, you know, the horrors of real estate, the horrors of rent and shitty landlords and shitty jobs and trying to just make it um, in society. And then, of course, you know, inevitably there's a haunting aspect to it. But it had really strong writing, I thought. And the art style, while muted like tonally in terms of the colors, that's perfect for exactly the type of story that it's yeah. telling. Um, and really making that a distinctly unique looking text adventure game um, that I really, really enjoyed. And my final one is going to be the final pin from Jordy Boy, which was the latest uh, from that developer that we you know, have really enjoyed a majority of their work so far. And again, another probably the longest example of one of their games. Um, but as always, you know, Jordy Boy is continually sort of evolving on their skill set as a developer and whatnot and including new facets of gameplay um, and seeing how they blend those facets of gameplay to the horror aspects make for some really unique moments. I mean, there's a moment in that game when you're running through the sewer system looking for a lost dog and you have to whistle, yeah. right? And so like little moments like that do a great job of building tension in an environment that, you know, it's an underground sewer. How many of those have you been in before in games? But the fact that he's able to implement something that gives player agency as well as crafting tension, I think really speaks to just you know, an incredibly young talent that is progressing very, very quickly uh, in terms of, you know, the horror games they're developing and, you know, look forward to whatever else, obviously, they have coming up in the near future. And of course, anybody that we've just mentioned, um, you know, trying to keep up with those developers, I think, in the new year and in moving mm -hmm. forwards will be something really great in terms of just keeping track of their projects and whatnot. But yeah, those were my uh, honorable mentions for Fantastic. the year. Fantastic. And already you can see if you've obviously been listening to the show throughout the year that that some of the things we've talked about and praised the high heaven and uh, they are only in the honorable mentions so what the hell could be in those top fives and it's worth mentioning that anybody that is interested in any games that we've talked about and it's always in the show notes um, they should check out our itchio page that you've been curating uh, with all of our picks that we've covered and that's of course safe room on itchio and that'll bring that up That'll also be in the show notes for this week. And of course, it'll be on uh, Twitter yeah, as well. So, uh, thank you. At Safer and Pod on go. Twitter. Doing the promo good and early. I like it. So yeah, with that said then, as with uh, our normal rankings, someone has a game in that, the list higher up, we skip and wait till it turns up the second time as ever. Just because, you know, we could talk about it twice, but you kind of lose some of the appeal of that one. <laughs> you are number five, Jay. My number five, and I have spent about five minutes before joining our Zoom call practicing saying the title, <laughs> Phobophobia, uh, case file number zero, the orphanage from developer Surgery Head, which is, of course, as most of these picks are, available on Itch.io. And this was a really wonderful hardcore RPG with a really dark horror vibe to it and aesthetic. And it's, I think, best described as, you know, point and click survival horror meets something like Earthbound. So you're this detective that's investigating this orphanage, series of murders, series of missing people. And of course, there are, you know, cultists 
inside the orphanage. There's rituals that have been going on. There's this sort of the void aspect to it and all sorts of uh, nasty surprises in store. And I thought this was a really smart blending of not only subgenres, but at the same time, you know, just the presentation of it. Um, It feels like it is straight out of the 90s. And if anything, it kind of feels like a tabletop RPG in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Um, And it utilizes what I would describe as being a crude art style in the sense that it looks like it was made in something like MS Paint or something like that. But that gives it so much personality. And I think that really does sort of lend itself to just what an uncomfortable experience it is at times because of the subject matter, because of the specific brand of horror, but also it's just this kind of this grimy looking game. And I mean, of course, has always mean that in a very uh, positive way <laughs> yeah. for this it's type a, of experience. It's a horror podcast. Grimy is great. Man. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Grimy is uh, exactly what we want. And, you know, ideally everybody wants from their horror games. But yeah, this was one that, you know, at the same time, it's hard as shit, <laughs> um, which is definitely like straight channeling the 90s uh, sort of RPGs and whatnot. But this was very, very unique. Um, and it was something that I spent a lot of time on this year. Probably one of the games that I spent the most time out of any of the horror mm. bites that we played, um, just because I wanted to, you know, search for every nook and cranny, see if I missed anything. And in typical survival horror fashion, there are uh, secrets to uncover. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you talk about that sort of aesthetic, it's very reminiscent of what World of Horror does as well, which is, I think, a great sort of thing to draw from. Um, and a lot of the appeal of that game was the sort of retro sort of, computer age sort of stuff because you know for a lot of people they didn't really experience that in any way shape or form but if you can get that aesthetic right and get that almost mood right with it um and make it feel scuzzy and old-fashioned like that then uh, you've got yourself a winner and i think yeah it does that really well doesn't it it absolutely does oh so my number five not long talked about it actually is uh the final pin by uh, Shorty Boy, aka uh, Jordan Lindgren. Um, yeah, this was, you know, we had Geordie Boy's um, The Shopping List on last year's, um, I believe. So, you know, two time uh, top fiver. So that's good for <laughs> that one. Um, so, yeah, basically, it's like a mystery story of like an investigation going through, you know, chasing this killer, trying to find out the, the where, where they've gone to, all this. Uh, you know, the typical obsessed detective sort of thing going on. Um, but yeah, the storytelling on it is uh, like, you know, we, we praised this with the, the shopping list, how storytelling was quite smart and interesting and different. You know, it felt very personal in a way, you know, in a lot of that. And um, whereas this feels like you know, a maturity that, you know, again, just seems staggering you know for someone so young to uh have that yeah you know, not to say you can't be mature when you're young but i think in terms of like telling a story like this and you can kind of accept you know some of the cliches of it because i think it likes leaning into it anyway but it doesn't stop him from telling an intriguing tale and managing to make it you know twist in a good way as well i think as well so yeah um so, you know, and it's voice to the hilt, you know, a whole bunch of uh, content creators, YouTubers uh, and the like um, involved in this. Some, even one I knew, which was like like the most random thing ever, you know. <laughs> she said, okay, I know that voice, <laughs> that guy before. Um, yeah, and yeah, as he said at the time, like he developed as the age of 16, which is um, just 
mad. And, and I, I mean, that's not really a qualifier for why it's so good anyway, but yeah, it adds to it, I think. Yeah, it's like on its own, if someone was 42 and made it, um, it would still be as impressive for the, what it is. It's getting big scale out of something small, you know, which is always great with these. You know, it's that sweet spot where it's not the short 15 minute things, but it's not like that past two hour mark where we sort of say, well, this isn't really a horror bite, so to speak. Um, it's like, so it's, it's in the terms of horror bites, it's like Lord of the Rings compared to most things, but uh, yeah, right. but it's yeah. still like really well paced um, and still compact enough to be like, yeah, finished this in a lunch hour, brilliant, and uh, really enjoyed everything it did. Yeah, and I think that your comment about like the production value mm. of it, it again speaks to just how each project continually grows, right? The second one. Um, which his second game, which I believe was called like the breakthrough or something yeah, so, like that, I'll, I'll... Uh, something like that. But you know, that one even maybe personally did not enjoy it as much as the shopping list or even the final pin. But at the same time, it shows an expanding on the type of gameplay experiences that Jordy Boy is experimenting with and crafting. And if anything, I think that this one, the final pin, is you know the best of both worlds with I think the past two projects in that it's continually evolving on not only mechanics, but the production value being fully voiced, even something like having dialogue options between different characters. And as you mentioned, you know, the intricacies of the narrative, again, it feels like it's something that was written by somebody that has multiple, um, you know, I suppose, multiple uh, games under their belt, more than two, at least in this case. Um, It's the type of thing where there's so many sort of ins and outs and the pacing feels just right, feels like an understanding of when you have a cinematic when you have a bit of dialogue, when you have something that has a little more agency, puzzle solving and whatnot. And yeah, it's an incredibly uh, impressive package, regardless of, you know, the age of the person that's making it. But like you said, the fact that this is made by somebody that's 16 and has sort of the vision for the follow through of something like that all the way to the end is, uh, you know, makes it even more impressive. Yeah. We have a game with Broken Fruit, by the way. Just so, yeah. Broken so Fruit. We got it in case anyone's interested in that as well. Um, So we uh, go on to your number four. My number four was uh, one of your picks, actually, which was Feet in the Snow by Abstract Machine. So, but not yet. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I'll have to sort of skip that and get to, I suppose, my number four and uh, go from that, which was um, Sins or Signs, depending on how you want to put it in terms of uh, the spelling, because it's... uh, <laughs> Still trips me up every time, but that's the point. Um, and this, that one is on my list. Oh, as there well. you go. We're going well. There well, we go. Yeah. Then, <laughs> so what's your number three? Uh, that is my number three, which would be uh, sin or signs or sin parentheses e and then s. Well, there you go. So we can talk about. It now. <laughs> we are such a well-oiled machine. I tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this. Is by a future reality software. Um, it's a, described as basically an interactive piece of software presented by the Seismic Safety Commission, simulating the events of a catastrophic earthquake and aims to sort of prepare trainees for all eventualities. So it, it boots up like an old computer screen, like that, programs and such. And you know, visually speaking, uh, I think I said at the time, just has such a great nostalgia effect, doesn't it, for that sort of era. Um, and then, like, you get to the game proper as well, and that also sort of has this sort of 
yeah, that 90s thing of straining to be like reality, but not quite being there. And it really plays into that and then sort of kicks in with a few sort of, um, you know, psychedelic colours and things like that to sort of really push it forward. And it tells a really interesting story with uh, very limited um, you know, controls and the very limited sort of play, space to sort of play around in, really. Um, it's supposed to be like this VHS tape type thing, which is as well, which is yeah, sort of the only thing I sort of looked at and went like, well, is it supposed to be a computer program or an informational tape? I'm not sure, but yeah, it's the whole point. You know, it's presented in a computerscape thing, so we'll go with it. it's a, a interactive package, if you will. Um, but yeah, this was such an interesting game. You know, one of those where I kept thinking about it and had to write about it because it's just like, yeah, there's something about this. Um, you know, the way it utilizes something so ordinary as a program for this, you know, a training program turns it on his head. We've seen games like that. On horror bites, you know, we've uh, had ones with like um, police training and things like that as well. Uh, I think this feels like the natural evolution of that, where it really does just take it into an artistic style, a very unique way of doing it. Do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think this is a game that really does utilize a unique art style a unique way of traversing the environment, but also just having that unique presentation of the fact that it is supposed to be this, you know, simulation or giving you all these sort of variables and whatnot. And, you know, an aspect of it that I really liked also was sort of the color palette, which if anything, you know, the weirder the story gets and the way that things progress and sort of this kind of uh, vagueness, I suppose, of whether or not this is a real experience. Is this a simulation? Is this you know, an actual horror story or is this, you know, the paranoia of a predicament that is affecting the character and their perception of things. So there's this lovely sort of gray area to what's happening. And, you know, something that I thought really helped this game stand out visually speaking was sort of the color palette as well. You know, it has these vibrant colors, this palette of like purples and blues and teals um, that if anything stops this from being, you know, because you spend a majority of the game underneath this Mm. debris that could have just been, you know, browns and muddy grays and not having a lot of personality to it. And there's something about the color palette and the kind of swinging nature of the camera when you want to move to one section of the environment to the next that just creates this really interesting, unique atmosphere. Um, And if anything, you know, that helps to kind of sell the unknowing aspect of what's actually going on up until you have that really fantastic reveal. Um, which is, you know, a, kind of a gut punch in exactly the right kind of way for an experience like this. So, yeah, this was definitely obviously one that also really stood out to me this year. Um, and, yeah, that was a, another one of your picks. So, you know, you were on quite a roll this year. That's right. Yeah, I mean, last year you, you gave me my favorite of the lot. So, yeah, I think it's only fair. So, <laughs> um, now, funny enough, the, the way we just done that, uh, we basically reversed positions for two games there because uh, – my number three is Feet the Snow. But before we talk about that and any further games, we will have a short break. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, You can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. 
Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, welcome back. We are now talking about uh, Jay's number four and my number three, which is Feet in the Snow, um, and that is by Abstract Machine. Um, this is like yeah, premium tier my shit, as they used to put it back in the day. Um, it's about dreams and like dreamlike stuff and making it a game that really sells that, you know. Um, much of what we were just talking about with... Uh, Sin science is um, you know that sort of stressing to look realistic and having that sort of odd old PC style version of it and this is like again slightly further on in that conversation where it has that you know you've got slightly better graphical power but it's still like got a sort of nostalgic charm to the way it looks and really utilised well to make these sort of dreamscapes that you go through feel dreamlike you know there's always something slightly wrong with an image or you know um yeah, just the whole weird feel of it. it it's an audiovisual sort of thing uh, that i can't describe half the time as well as i want to because it's such <laughs> yeah, it just represents that dream logic really well you know like that in terms of the puzzling in terms of how you know you are just sort of like going from one place to another without any logic as to how they connect, you know. Um, uh, yeah, it's such a fascinating, you know, structure in game in terms of structure. You know, I really enjoyed that it was just basically a point-and-click puzzle game at its heart, you know, with that sort of uh, mist-era sort of visual style, I suppose, is the best way of putting it, but done in this nightmarish way where it's, you know, not trying hard to be, like, in your face horror but it's like that sort of you know david lynch style sort of horror if you will where it's not obvious but it's there and it's just poking under the surface and making the weird things weirder and making the normal things feel very off um and that goes down to like the digitized people you meet in there that just like you know they've been slightly touched up or changed to look a bit weirder and yeah visually that makes it such a striking game and consistent which is really hard to do i think when you are just trying to pull from different things for a dream world i mean that's i think when people do sort of try to do that where they try to sort of trip the player up or do a dreamlike world they may try and sort of combine different very different tonal uh, places and styles together to make it happen whereas this manages to you know fuse it all together and have a consistent identity in how it looks whilst you know really unsettling you and how it changes and shifts into these different places i just think from the opening of it you know just it's instantly atmospheric and um, yeah again like you've been saying and i've been saying it's just one of those games that just stayed in my head all through the year where i was like that's amazing in a really lo-fi 
subtle way that isn't as obvious as a lot of games we may have liked this year, but it just, yeah, it did something for me. I don't think any other game really did. It is simply the best example of how you do a dreamscape yeah. in a horror game, right? Um, it's, I think, a, a big part of what did it for me was just the little things that are off about it, right? It's not that there's these big moments of overt horror or big gory moments. It's just like things that are slightly off. You go into that gas station at one point and it's a perfectly normal yeah. gas station, but there's something a little bit off about the person behind the register, right? And for me personally, like when I think about nightmares, the nightmares that have always stuck with me that, you know, have been traumatic and whatnot are never like being murdered or getting hit by a bus. It's always like being in a place that is very normal. And there's one thing about that environment that's off. It's in a way that it's unsettling. It's uncomfortable, but it doesn't sort of force me out of the room or something like that or running for my life. It's just occupying a space with something that's not as it is that you know, is able to kind of stick with you in a way that I don't think a lot of other horror games are able to do that have attempted dreamscapes, but it's mostly about like, look at this wild thing that we can do in this environment. For me personally, it's typically these subtle things that are very uncomfortable to look at. And, you know, when you talk about these types of situations or set pieces and whatnot, it's like, well, especially what is terrifying is if it's like, I'm in the environment and I'm the one that notices something is wrong or different but nobody else is reacting to it. Like little things like that. And I think that this game champions that in a really great way. Um, it, you know, also being something that resembles Mist in the sense that like you have those really well-constructed and um, designed environments that again are very normal and then filling it with just one little thing that's different or odd or strange or out of place and immediately, you know, being drawn to that. That was one thing about like the puzzles and whatnot is that you kind of, immediately know what you have to interact with because it's the one thing that is an outlier. And, you know, maybe some people might think that that's, you know, easy or that's not difficult. But when you're talking about a bite-sized experience, the fact that you're able to make a game that has puzzles, that has that free-flowing sort of exploring of that house and the different set pieces, and it's like, oh, this immediately draws my eye to what I need to go towards without having some convoluted tutorial or a hint system or anything like that. Um, If anything, I think that was just a great way to have an experience that is condensed, but at the same time, it feels like it has the proper pacing for a game that could, you know, who knows, blow up into a longer experience or something along those lines. But yeah, fantastic art style and just a general understanding of what makes those sort of surreal dreamscapes that you and I love so much actually work and be a standout. And I think, you know, we've covered how many tens of uh, horror bites this year and this is one that was on both of our lists again like i said close proximity in terms of that let's see if that happens again um (laughs) what's your number two well my number two is incident yes it's happening again that's uh it's that that is uh (laughs) next on my list (laughs) to spoil nothing um so my number two is nightmare zapping that is on my list (laughs) (laughs) how about that that is creepy uh, yes <laughs> and you said you changed your list around yeah. multiple times and we have not talked no, about it say, yeah all. i mean like yeah that, that is weird <laughs> i mean that, that's closer cohesion than we had so far with the uh the main list i think so that's uh yeah which i think we'll probably have some crossover when that gets to that top five but um which do you want to talk about first, I suppose? Uh, you're hosting Horror Bites. I'll let you talk about Incident of Grove Lake first. Oh, go on. Let's do that. Um, 
I feel like I talked about it lots this year. You know, it's one of those games. That <laughs> I, I, it's hard not to talk about it constantly between Twitter and chatting with guests yeah, and whatnot. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, it's been mentioned in so many ways, and you know, I was just writing about it this week for an article. So there you go. It was uh, uh, actually both these games thinking about it, but um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it, it's probably no surprise that this game is up there. Um, several of guests uh we've had have sort of had a, a, a love of this one uh, mark delaney has uh, been one of those in recent weeks has mentioned it it's the ufo thing through the eyes of the 90s you know the the x-files um fire in the sky that sort of stuff um and it takes it in a way that i really just did not expect yeah i mean even from this developer i i had no idea that we were going to get this um his name is Dan McGraw, aka Tooth and Claw, um, on Itchio. And you know, his previous game, uh, Our Lady of Sorrow, I think was one we mentioned last year, wasn't it? As well, so another two timer on this one. And yeah, it is a PSX sort of style game, you know, basically about alien abductions and found footage. But there's also you know, a, a cinematic story going on as well. Um, on the outside of that, you know, the footage you get. Um, as part of that story, you play through to sort of see this alien abduction and you are someone trying to find the truth of all that. And yeah, for what is 25 minutes of your time, in much the same way as I said this uh, last year with games, you know, like it fits so much good into such a short space of time that you just look at it and go, it's mad that I've played games for tens of hours more than this and not had the same sort of impact um you know i think we made a big sort of call about the radio station stuff at the end of the game and you know, how it ended up being like uh, I think it was art bell the uh, actual dj that was used um yeah it's been part of my writing rotation uh, at times this year now since then because you get the uh, old radio episodes on spotify and places yeah i can see why because it's just the authentic sort of sting at the end of this um where you have this panic call and it being you know from a real radio station where again you still can question the validity of what the person's saying because you know it's it's about alien abduction and things like that and you and about the government conspiracy stuff yeah which should be odd i suppose in a world where you know with everything that's happened in the last few years you know we have these very casual admissions from the government about oh yeah there's some alien stuff like that but it's so blase that you're like well now i don't believe you sort of thing (laughs) (laughs) but yeah this captures that sort of thing i felt in the 90s of just being so hardcore into just wanting to know you know as i said at the time or later it's like i'd realized that i'd heard this dj that was in this you know back in my youth um sitting at pc and listening to stuff like that on like internet radio and it so it felt weirdly nostalgic in a lot of ways and i think when it does the alien abduction does stuff which is very fire in the sky when it does show you anything it, it's really good but i love that switch to you know the cinematic scenes and the way that set up it felt a bit like um what's the game we covered again this year not virginia Paratopic, that was it. Yeah, it, it felt similar to the structure of Paratopic, where you know it switches between different things of it and plays around um, 
in how it tells a story. But also, yeah, Virginia, I think it's another good example because you know, there's something that tries to play it cinematic um, and kind of follows a lot of the same sort of um, 90s aesthetics in what it's doing. It's fantastic. Well, I don't know what else to say about it, really. Um, I'll probably be talking about it again this week, so... <laughs> there's no spoilers there I'm sure but uh, yeah it is just marvellous so yeah I'm not going to say much more just because I will have to talk about this again yeah you know for me Incident Grove Lake was a game where you know when you start to realize oh there's not going to be as much player agency or player control as something like Our Lady of Sorrow initially you're kind of like oh well what is that time going to be replaced with and this is a perfect example of when you know, when you restrict the amount of player input to the story and what's going on, it actually makes it that much yeah. stronger, I think. And the fact that this is a much more cinematic experience than his past games, you know, if anything, that is more in tuned to, I think, or rather more of a testament to just how Dan McGrath is able to, you know, flesh out not only, I suppose, the scope of projects, the POV from different different characters and these things to tell this narrative but also it just feels so much more cinematic yeah. in a way that, you know, his other games haven't, whether that was their intention or not. But, you know, it's the type of experience where you say alien abduction, you immediately assume, oh, well, this is going to be an alien combat focused game. And the fact that it has this sort of, you know, blurring the lines between the real conspiracy stuff and then more of the fire in the sky side of things um, was a really nice blending that, you know, channeled things like the X-Files, of course, uh, which I'm never not going to be a big fan of. But the variety of i think povs for the cinematics itself is what made that sort of uh cinematic nature overall so strong you know playing around with security cam footage playing around with in-person footage from multiple different character point of views and then of course you know the finale which is terrific uh in a way that's you know expected but at the same time surprising um in a way that makes for a really satisfying conclusion to uh, incident of grove lake but yeah you know i think again it's a testament to McGrath's vision for what he's doing with each project. And again, such a, a wide variety of experiences. We've covered multiple games of his this year and each one. And if you go back and look at, you know, his catalog on itch.io, every single one is different from what came before it. Um, whether that be from a gameplay side of things, storytelling, the general production value of them, the size of the projects. And I would say, yeah, incident of Grove Lake is of course, uh, his most standout experience of the year. And I would say it's, you know, my favorite of his games so far. But if anything, it just makes me excited for what comes next, not to, you know, <laughs> look to the future too quickly <laughs> after this uh, fantastic year in games for Dan McGrath. But um, it's the type of game that you're just like, man, I thought you reached the ceiling with something like Lady of Sorrow. And you just realize like, oh, no, he's just going to continually keep smashing that ceiling and redefining, I suppose, the types of horror-centric experiences that uh, he crafts. Absolutely. And, you know, something that sort of came up in my head again this week when writing about it and thinking about it and going back to it as well, I just, it, I think something that was quite apt this week was, you know, this whole the day before thing where, you know, an internet-hyped game came out and, you know, it was quite clear that if you had two eyes that, you know, it was going to be a scam or just absolute shit. There's no way they're going to do what they promised and everything they were doing about it was sketchy. And it got me back to thinking of that time when this came out, where the, another alien adoption game came out called you know, Greyhill Incident, um, 
which you know was the one that was getting all the TikTok sort of hype and getting all those sizzle reels. And yet every single one of those videos basically rang alarm bells saying, seems to be biting off more than it can chew. Doesn't seem like this is going to play anything like it's showing like that. And lo and behold, it was an absolute fucking disaster of a game. Or the same like two minute yeah, clip. I, that was the thing with that game where it was like every single thing I saw that went viral about that. I was like, oh, this is what I saw on the last yeah. two viral videos from a different angle or a different little section of that map or whatever. But it was like not really seeing how this is a full fledged experience. Not just full fledged experience, but you know, you know, I think a twenty five quid experience like to buy off the store, off mm. PlayStation Store, this unfinished, yeah. horrible, buggy mess. It had a deluxe edition, you know, like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, fair fair play if you go try that and Sony say yes and people buy it based off a few TikTok videos. Yeah, that's on them. Yeah, that's fair enough. You do you do you you done well you know, to get money out of people that way. But it'll be one time you, know, you do it like that because seeing that and then seeing this, you know, this twenty five minute experience that does everything that that game couldn't in two three hours. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I twenty five minutes into that game, I was like, "What am I doing with my life?" Sort of thing. This was like, just, <laughs> yeah, it, it was ridiculous that these two games came so close together, and all anyone had talked about at the time was that one. You know, I mean, I've forgotten about it now, of course, because um, even the good games get forgotten about this year because it's been so good. <laughs> you know, it's uh yeah, your villain of the week, maybe for five minutes, and I think that game just didn't quite get to that level. But yeah, it just shows that you know, uh, social media doesn't always uh, pick winners in that way. Um, yeah, no. it, you know, it's the environment that looks at like here's Zelda in Unreal Engine Five sort of thing and goes, oh yeah, let's do that sort of thing. Like, well, you're missing the point sort of thing. Um, right. Content and tone and atmosphere all day over you know just whatever the fuck that was anyway so i had to have a little bit of sourness in this uh so there we go <laughs> let's talk about nightmare zapping yeah so nightmare zapping from molo 19 is in my opinion a case study of you know moments you truly love mm. to see right with horror bites because this was a game that we covered i believe all the way back in march of this year yeah and it was you know this short 15 20 30 minute experience that we stumbled upon on itch.io Really, really fantastic, um, I think, format of anthology horror where you're looking at this analog TV. Every channel is either static or it's one of these little horror vignettes that plays out to varying degrees of player input. Some of them are just these little horror skits of, you know, terrifying things that are happening. And sometimes the player actually has input on decision making or brief puzzle solving and whatnot. And the ways in which Maldo was able to connect all of those vignettes in a way that might not seem obvious, but at the same time, having a little bit more meaningful of connectivity between each channel, I think. Again, sometimes you have to go back and forth between channels to uncover some secrets and whatnot, but at the end of the day, all of these vignettes, even if they don't end up all being connected, um, they are connected to the town itself that's you know dealing with this uh, supernatural threat, if yeah. you will. Um, and, you know, eventually this game came out, it got enough hype that Maldo was able to put Nightmare Zapping on Steam and was able to not only deliver the original experience that we played, but to deliver, you know, more content for that and really flesh it out even more so. And, you know, you have the events of 
the town from the first section of Nightmare Zapping, and then those events spread to another town. But it didn't just feel like more content in maybe the sort of natural way of things where it's like, oh yeah, you got more channels, yeah. right? It, you did get more channels, but more importantly, it was a continuation of a story. It was a continuation of certain characters that would crop up. The threat from the first chapter of Nightmare Zapping continues. But you also saw Maldo really evolving on the types of input or impact that players could have in those channels, the levels of interactivity and what the player was actually doing. Um, and the game also, you know, it has this really fantastic general sort of uh, pixel art style for our, the different channels and whatnot, but it also utilizes that rotoscope animation, which is really, yeah. really fantastic. And it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, Airdorf's fate. Yeah. Obviously, that's my point of uh, point of comparison for that. But, you know, with Nightmare Zapping, it was this game that I was so impressed with the fact that you're able to take anthology horror um, and really make it, I suppose, delivering it in a way that I just hadn't seen work previously. Because um, we definitely have covered other horror games that have tried to have that anthology yeah. approach. But they just end up feeling like pieces that never connect. And I know that with the anthology horror, they don't always have to connect. But it always just kind of felt like, eh, this is like a brief flavor of horror here, a brief flavor of horror there. And you almost begin to see sort of the blueprint, yeah. I think, of how those sort of slices end up coming about. And with something like this, where you don't immediately see the connection between the different vignettes and whatnot, and then later on, the more you're invested in it and you start to connect those dots, it just makes for an experience that I felt more invested in overall. Um, and again, to see it flourish in such a short amount of time within the span of a year and to really you know, grow and get the recognition that something like that deserves. And then, of course, on uh, Itch.io even itself, now I believe the game has, you know, it used to be free, but now with all that additional content and, you know, the updates and refining and whatnot to go into projects like that, I think it's like five or 10 bucks or something like that permanently, which is, you know, fantastic. Because again, we talked about it a lot in the beginning of Horror Bites. Majority of the experiences that we're covering here are free to play. And, you know, not everybody is going to take advantage of donating to the developers, which is always an option through Itch.io. So to see a developer that can release something as a free experience, it gets enough recognition that then they can begin charging for it and actually, you know, getting a, a little bit of feedback and whatnot um, is just fantastic. And it's one of those that I just kept thinking about all year because I was like, damn, hope I get more channels sometime <laughs> for uh, Nightmare Zapping because uh, I want to explore more of this world. And at the same time, I want to see how Maldo is able to use that sort of uh, I'll, I'll say, you know, the, the primitive art style of it, but still like tell really gross or terrifying stories um, in a way that, you know, speaks to my horror sensibilities. Yeah, I mean, it's MS Paint rules again uh, in terms of like a lot of the artwork on here. Um, just great use of that simple um, color scheme and art style. Uh, and you know, I like the fact that, you know, the demo version is still available as it was, you know, as well. So you can't, you know, if you don't want to pay the five pounds for the main version, you can just, download the demo still to, to try it out i mean the demo itself is what 30 minutes i think and now, yeah, it's, like and now it's like quadrupled i think in size basically for the main game which was just like staggering at that point um i, mean, I thought it was going to be a bit overwhelming at one point I was like, oh okay maybe this is a bit much of this but no it's like it's really it's really <laughs> nice um uh really sort of built on everything that was good 
you know, in that demo version that we covered initially, you know, and we covered the main version as well. So yeah, here we are talking about it again at the end of the year. Um, it shows the quality, really, doesn't it? That we followed up when we saw that it was getting its main version, and um, yeah, it deserves it because it is just again one of those fantastic offshoots of what has been done in the indie spaces that still has its own identity. You know, while it takes bits and pieces that are like, oh yeah, that's a bit like from there, and that's from there. Um, it works yeah, really well as its own thing. I love the idea of it being this zapping through the channel. We discussed at length why uh, when we talked about it before. You know, it is you know pretty much my catchphrase of you know, weird shit on TV at 2am in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's perfect yeah. for that. It is the game of that. So yeah, unsurprisingly, here it is up here being that kind of game. And uh, yeah, it, it's just... A blast and it's probably no surprise that these two games were like uh neck and neck like this uh between us though still just very odd that those four games yes <laughs> the same four <laughs> games in just different positions <laughs> yes with without talking to one another yeah. by the way and you shuffled your list around uh as early yeah. as today five minutes before we started as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> such is life there we go um yeah uh, that, that covers our list for the year um as ever, all these games on itch.io, if you wish to try them out, they're there. And if you play them and like them, please go help the developers out by you know, either purchasing a copy of whatever they put out, promoting it in whatever way you can, you know, just generally sharing their knowledge. I mean, we're not the only people to do this, obviously. That I, you know, There's countless smaller YouTube channels that really do great jobs of um, doing the same thing, where they, they do pretty much the same format in a way in Let's Play. They, they pick a few games, go for them, do like that. And uh, I think that all these things really help like that. Uh, it's always fun to see how people react to the things you've played as well. And I think that's, that's um, always going to be fun to see in the future as well. And that keeps uh, growing for the games that really matter, especially. Um, yeah, so thank you for being with us for this year of Horror Bites uh, in this format as we changed it as well. Um we will be back in the new year with um same format, same back channel, unless I suddenly change my mind. I, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the format's nice. A new curveball for the new <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I'll be adding curveballs this year. I think I, I like the stability of doing two every week. So <laughs> we'll keep we'll, we'll keep <laughs> that, and, and uh, that'd be fine. Um, you know, in the new year, um, if you are a developer of any indie horror game demo concept or a game jam entry we would love to hear from you um you know drop us a dm at saferingpod on twitter or email us at saferingpod at gmail.com if you'd like to be highlighted or even interviewed on the show um you know, apologies if i don't get back to you straight away or jay doesn't you know, emails and dms and just they're all weird these days with uh, what doesn't doesn't get free um if, if you are a developer and wanting to speak to us directly just sort of put that in the title of your email just to make sure we know what to look for on that one um this as you probably have noticed has gone out on a different day um, we, we put it out on the normal safe room day that is because we wanted to sort of drag out safe rooms uh, game of the year episode part <laughs> two which will be dropping on thursday and uh yeah you will find out which five games you know we both uh picked 
in the in the main we may have given away one already today but hey um it's fine uh but yeah that's uh still plenty we haven't mentioned and uh we will have good fun with that and we will have some bits and bobs from people we've had on the show uh sort of talking about games they've uh, loved over the year as well but uh yes uh so we'll see you again next year for horror Whites, and we'll see you later in the week for safe room <laughs>